when I was in college, my dad was kind enough to um, help me to buy a car. And, and one of the things that he did was, uh, well, the reason he needed to buy, help me buy a car was because I had totaled the first two that I had. But that's another story. And uh, but uh, he told me to go check out some some used cars and then kind of narrow the scope. So go to some different places, narrow the scope, and then he'd come with me the next day and we'd go uh, we'd go get one. And uh, I found the car. I went to a bunch of different places, but then I found the car that I wanted, and it was this. Uh, now you got to understand, it was 1994. Okay, so just kind of like cut me a little slack here, but it was a purple lowrider truck, and I thought, now this is it. Now a lot of you people, a lot of you guys look at me and you're like. Low, purple lowrider truck. That's just when I think of Bob driving. That's what I think of him driving is a purple lowrider truck. And so now I went and saw it, and, and I thought, man, this is great. And then um, I, I did notice that it had it was the car was about four years old, and it had um, 125,000 miles on it, which apparently the person who owned it previously had regular business in Alaska, uh, although he lived here in in Florida. But um, all I could picture was me driving down the road. Uh, blasting music because, by the way, half of the bed of the truck was taken up by speakers. So I thought, man, now this is really it right here. So uh, nonetheless, I um, I took my dad the next day to go see it, and um, and he took a good look at it. And I'm like, Dad, this is the car. This is it. Let's just let's just put our name on the dotted line right now. And when I mean our name, I mean your name. And um, and so anyway, we we went. He looked at the car and he's like, well. I just want to take a look at it a little bit. And he says, uh, Robert, did you notice that the giant crack in the windshield? And I and he's like, uh, maybe you'll notice it because it looks like it has a bullet hole right here. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I didn't really notice that, to be honest with you. But, you know, I mean, what's a windshield? We can replace that. What's it cost? Twenty bucks or something. And uh, I, I had no idea. And then he showed me like he's like, I, I want to just now I want you to just look at the body of the car. Do you see how dented this thing is? Like maybe it had been involved in like one of those crash up derbies. And uh, I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that. And then he said, um, did you get in through the side door uh, at any time, the passenger door? I said, no, I didn't. He goes, well, that's good because it doesn't open. And uh, I thought, wow, I didn't really check this car out very well. And uh, I, anyway, we decided to go a different route. And I, and I thought to myself, like, man, my dad's pretty smart. And, uh, and it was this odd thing because when you're a kid, like, you know, when you're four or five years old, you think that your parents are like superheroes. Uh, I don't know if you think that. And I, I'm pretty sure my daughter thinks that of me because... You know, I do all, all these, like, magic tricks. You know, I can make my thumb disappear and come back. You know, I can detach. He thinks it's amazing, all these things. But my dad would do all these things. He made a quarter come out of my ear once. I mean, I still don't know how he, exactly he did that. It was amazing. And uh, then you hit, like, 14. And then, you know, you don't really think your parents are superheroes anymore. You find them completely annoying. And, th- and you think that they wake up every morning, and this is their one thought. Um, how can I ruin this kid's life? And uh, that's, what you, that's what you think they think. Um, and then you hit like 21, you start real life and then, you know, you get like, maybe you get married or you get an apartment or something and you're like, and you got to like pay bills and you're like, oh, now I get it. Maybe my parents are kind of smart after all this, you know, uh, began, you know, and, and here's the thing is I, I'm a dad now. And so to some degree, you know, I understand that some of the decisions that my parents made and, and I got to tell you that being a parent, that's why we honor parents on Mother's Day and Father's Day because being a parent is like the greatest blessing in the world, but it's also the hardest job ever. It's also it's completely exhausting. Um, if you're a parent, you know that. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. My wife went to Publix yesterday for, um, you know, I mean, when I say she went to Publix, we live across the street from a Publix. Okay, so it's not like she had to drive many miles, go through the mountain. I mean, it was like we, it's across the street, get a few things and come back. And in that 
time that my wife went to Publix and came back and I was watching the two kids, total mayhem broke loose in my house. Total mayhem. My wife came back and the house was destroyed. You know, I was like, you know, practically laying on the floor, like, what happened here? And, uh, and she's like, what happened? And I'm like, listen, there's two of them. What can I do? I mean, they, 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 they got me outnumbered, you know, and it's like one goes in one direction. The other can't even walk, but he somehow manages to get my other attention. And this one goes crazy and then all this. And, um, you know, but it is, it is being a parent is exhausting sometimes. We, uh, the other night, um, I, I felt that we put our daughter to bed and then we went to sleep. And um, I woke up at midnight and I'm like, man, I just feel like all this pressure on me. I don't know if you've felt anything like that. And I woke up and my daughter was sleeping on top of me. And not like, oh, she's like cuddled up next to you. No, she was facing up. I was facing up. And so it was like her, her skull was on top of my skull. And it was like facing up like this. It was just like how I was laying. It was weird. And I just was like, what, what is this? You know, this little kid. So I just rolled her over and I'm like, you know what? Stay here. And do that to your mom. I'm going to go sleep and, and on the couch. So I go to I put the covers on her and I go to sleep on the couch. I wake up two hours later with this kid on top of me again. And I'm like, what is this? Do I have candy in my pockets or something that you're following me around? I have bacon or something on me. Anyway, so um, so I, I, I roll her over and I put the covers back on her. And we have a sectional uh, couch at, at our place. So I laid her on one side and I'm like, so I just kind of like moved just a little bit over. And then laid down. I put the covers I had on her and fell back asleep. I'm sure you know where the story's going. I wake up at 5 a.m. and she is on top of me again. And I'm like, what is this? I lay her down. And at that point, I'm just like, all right, I'm up. What, what are we going to do now? You know. So um, then it's about 8 o'clock. And, uh, you know, I'd been up the whole time. And uh, my daughter wakes up. She wakes up around 7, 30, 8 o'clock. And um, she, I'm sitting at the desk doing some work. And uh, she comes in. She's like, hi, Poppy. And I'm like, Mia, how are you, big girl? How did you sleep? And she goes, oh, I slept great. I I believe it. I believe it. But that's just how it is as a parent. I mean, it's just like it's nonstop. Even when you're asleep, you're parenting these kids. Uh, And that's part of it. That was actually part of a study that was done in... uh, for, for the Edelman Financial Services in Fairfax, Virginia, they did a national study on the worth of a mother based on uh, the average U.S. salary and all of the, uh, all of the since, since uh, moms wear several hats or are on duty 24 hours a day, they, they listed like all these different occupations that moms have. Uh, you know, there's the occupation of like, you know, mom is like the, the house doctor. She's the house chef. Uh, she's overseeing, making sure like the house doesn't get covered in dust and, you know, trash and all that. So there's, there's all of that. If you have a teenager, she's also a psychotherapist. Uh, and so there's, there's all that. So they, they put all these things together and they said that moms basically have 17 full-time jobs. That if she were to get paid, um, it would total $508,700 a year. So if your mom looks like you're getting a raise. Bad news is we're not really sure exactly who's going to pay for that. So... Um, but by the way, you know, moms matter. If you're a dad, I want to tell you this, dads matter too. Um, this is maybe on a little more of a serious note, but um, 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth who are in prison come from fatherless homes. The point is this, family matters, parents matter. Now here's the deal. When God took this group of people out of slavery in Egypt, the children of Israel, 
And he was taking them from Egypt, from slavery to freedom, to this land that he was giving them that flows with milk and honey. Here's what he did. As he, they were making their way there, they stopped at Mount Sinai. And it's there that God gives them what the ancient rabbis called the Ten Words, what uh, we call the Ten Commandments. But what he does is he gives them these Ten Words. And the whole idea was this, is that if we would take these Ten Words, if we would apply them to our lives, that we would experience the best life possible, that we would experience life the way that God intended for us to live. And so here's the thing that's important for us to note is that there's a shift that takes place in the Ten Commandments. And if you're here and it's your first time here, you picked an awesome Sunday to be here because it's, it's the, it's, this is where the shift takes place. The first four commandments refer to our, our, the, the nature of our relationship with God. That is, have no other gods before me, um, you know, no graven images, don't take the Lord's name in vain, honor the Sabbath. Those four refer to the vertical relationship of our relationship with God. The last six commandments refer to our relationship with one another. And so we'll talk about all of those in upcoming weeks. But the very first thing that God talks about in our relationship to each other is how we should treat our parents. Now, why is that important? Because the foundation of civilization is family. And so when you think about the we, we live in, the wor- in, in our world, our world is made up of nations. Nations are made up of states. States are made up of cities. Cities are made up of communities. And communities are made up of families. And so if our family falls apart, then the world eventually falls apart. And so most of us know what the Bible has to say about parents or two parents. And it's the first one in your notes, and I hope you have your notes handy. I hope you have the pen that we gave you handy, where it says this in Exodus chapter 20, and this is commandment number five. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And so we're going to explore what that means, what it means to honor our parents and what it means to be honorable parents. Because, listen, kids should honor their parents if for nothing else than the crazy amount of stuff that we have to go through as parents. Because there's stuff that we do for our kids, and you you know this to be true, I'm not telling you anything new. There's stuff that you and I do um, as as, as parents that we would never do for anybody else. And there's stuff that we wouldn't even do if people paid us to do it. We, we, just, we just wouldn't do it. And, um, and sometimes it's the craziest stuff, and we do it, and we do it out of love, and we do it because we, we love our kids so much. And I'll give you an example. Um, as, just like the life of a mom and a dad, uh, about two years ago, um, my wife went to a baby shower, and uh, I was, my, my daughter was about 18 months old, and I was watching, my role was to watch her. Um, and so... We were happily, at her request, watching a baseball game. and Well, maybe it was my request. And, um, and then she kind of came up on the couch, and I smelled a smell that I, and I thought, wow, something happened here. And uh, I realized that she had pooped in a big way, and I'm like, man, Mia, I really wish you would have waited until your mom got home. Um, so anyway, I said, all right, I'll deal with it. And I took her into her room, put her on the diaper-changing table, and as I picked her up to put her on the diaper-changing table, that's when I realized that all the stuff was rolling down her legs. Yeah, yeah, it gets more hard, hardcore than that. All right, so let's just uh, so uh, uh, trust me, I'm I'm keeping it easy at this point. So now I'm like, now what am I supposed to do? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to deal with this. So I I take the diaper off and then I turn to get the uh, the wipes. Now here's the deal: I was a rookie back then. Now everybody knows you get the wipes first before you take the diaper off, but I didn't know anything. I was just a young kid, you know, trying to be a first-time dad. Now I'm an expert. But back then, I, I didn't know what I was doing. 
so I put her down. I was in a little bit of shock over like the amount of stuff that had been produced by the small child. So I go to get, I, by the time that I turn around and get the wipes, my daughter has already stuck her hands in it. And as I go to turn, she starts rubbing it on my forearms. And that's the moment I started screaming. And uh, I, I was, I'm telling you that I was freaking out. And all I could say to myself, I just kept saying, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. This isn't happening. My, my whole point, I mean, I was like, you know, there's no place like home thinking that I'm clicking my shoes together, hoping that I'll wake up on the couch having been taken a nap. And this was just a nightmare. And um, unfortunately, that's not what happened. I didn't really know what to do. I'd never, de- uh, you know, I'd done like, I'd never dealt with like explosions before like this. So I'm like, you know, I, I didn't know I needed like a hazmat suit or something. I'm like, what am I do? All right, I'm going to. So I just take her and I took her, the diaper, the onesie, everything. And I just put her in the bathtub. And I just hose her off. And so I just. And then I get the we had the bottle of, of the cleaner, whatever. It just sounds like Windex. You say cleaner. But the, the bottle of uh, soap or whatever it is, you know, the stuff you use, you can use it all over them, head, toes, whatever. So I just I use like half a bottle of stuff to clean her, right? And I clean her, I clean my arms and stuff while I'm in there, because so, it was just brutal. And so then I finally give her, I give her a bath, and then, um, and then, by the way, all this, and I'm texting my wife what happens as it's going on, because I'm like, there's no way I'm suffering through this and nobody's going to find out about it. So I'm like, I can't believe this, leave the party, who's this for? My sister. Ah, forget, you know, anyway, so... Uh, we finally, uh, so then I get her dressed, I get her bathed, and, and the one thing she did ask me to do was, can you go to Publix and pick something up for me? And I thought, yeah, how hard is that? You, you know, I just, so, so anyway, so then now, mind you, after all this, I'm really a little upset that I agreed to go to Publix, but I get her, I get her in the car, and we go to Publix, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of the car, I'm like, I still smell poop. It's impossible. This girl is as clean as she's ever been. I mean, she, she's head to toe, she's clean. I look at my arm. My arms smell lemony fresh, um, you know, because I, I, I clean my arms and I'm like, what is up? So I grab her and I put her in the car seat. And then I look as I'm walking in and I still have poop all over my shirt. And as, as, I'm, as I'm going in and then here's the thought. And I thought, I don't care. I'm going in anyway. Because <laughs> if you're a parent, you know, you're like, there's no way I'm going back home. Take her out of the car seat. Get back in the house. Change my shirt. Get her back in the car seat. In the car. Do public. Forget that. Lady next to me is going to have to deal with it. Testify. Anyway. Uh, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the 10 and 11 o'clock didn't get that part. Uh, so anyway, so, what, so, what, so the whole thing is this, is that now people ask me, they say, so what's parenting like? I tell them that story. And I'm like, it's exactly like that. All the time. Weird things happening, weird smells on your body that you can't figure out who they're from, you know, all kinds of crazy things like that, you know, that, 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 that happen. And it's, that's what parenting is like all the time. And that's why kids need to honor their parents, because they have no idea the insanity that their parents have gone through um, in, in uh, like raising them and dealing with them and, and, and all of that, because, you know, I'm telling you, because my daughter does stuff, you know, she does all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, Carrie, that girl is just like you, uh, like on all this crazy stuff. And, you know, and then um, she's like, well, what about you? And I'm like, well, you see her reading the Bible, praying. That's me. That's me. You see her doing all this other crazy stuff. 
That's your wild family. You know, that's not me. But I do want to do this. I want to lay a little bit of a foundation real quick about uh, what honor is. We're going to talk about honor. We're talking about honoring parents, honoring, you know, each other, talking about what it means to be an honorable uh, parent. And so I want to lay a little bit of a foundation. Um, And this in particular, I'm going to talk a little bit more to um, those of us that are adults that have parents, more so than those of us who are parents who have kids. So I'm talking more about adult kids and us dealing with our parents or uh, parents who have adult children. So that's going to be kind of what I talk about for these next few minutes. But here's the first thing for us to know. And that is number one, if you're taking note, it's that honor is earned, not demanded. It's earned, not demanded. And here's what I mean by that. Some parents make it impossible for their kids to honor them. And the reason is, is because one of the things that we do, one of the ways that as adults we honor our parents is by asking our parents for advice. And I know, that, I know that might sound very simple, but when you, as, as, as a child, even if you're an adult, you ask your, your parent, one of your parents for advice, like, what do you think I should do here? Listen, it honors them. And the way that it honors them is that you recognize you're, you're older and you're more experienced than I am, and I'm asking for your advice because I want to live a better life. I want to make the right choice. It's a great honor. But some parents make it impossible for their kids to honor them because they consistently make bad choices. And so, you know, you just you can't ask relationship advice from uh, your parents if, if, if your relationship advice you ask and then and then your, your mom says, well, you know, my fourth husband used to have this saying like you can't ask advice from, 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 from that, you know. And so that's what, what happens. And so that's why you can't demand honor. Honor is something that's earned through a life of making good decisions. The second is this, is that honor means respect, not obedience. You see, and that's why I'm saying particularly we're referring to older kids and adult children because um, honor or is connected to obedience when you're dealing with kids who are in your home. But if the kids are out of the home, then honor really refers to respect because sometimes what happens is, is that if we have adult kids, and one of the things that we want is for them to make the right choice. And what we'll do is, because we so want them to make the right choice, because we have expectations of them, if they don't do what we want them to do, we'll start throwing around the honoring your parents verse and be like, well, you're just not honoring me because I told you what to do and you didn't do it. You see, when, you're, when kids are out of the house, the, rela- the nature of the relationship changes. And you go from, I'm telling you what to do, to now I'm advising you on the decision that you're going to make. And I'm telling you, the re- it's, it's, a very, very different, uh, it's a very different relationship. And the thing that happens is this, and this is the pressure that I think we feel as parents never really goes away when our children grow up. And that is um, that sometimes we have this thing that our goal is to raise the perfect child. Well, there are no perfect kids. All of us are flawed people. Even our kids whom we love so much and we could never dream that they'd ever make a mistake. They will. They do. They must. They, They are going to. But our goal instead is not to raise perfect kids. It's to raise kids who are wise. And who will take responsibility for their actions and for the consequences of their decisions, whether the consequences are good or not so good. And that's the thing that some, you know, the issue here is not trying to control them. One of the marks of a great parent is is simply that, is that they say you're going to make that decision. That's fine. But you've got to own it once it gets made. And when you see a man or a woman who owns their decisions, then here's what you can say, is that there's a parent who probably taught them that. That whatever decision you make, you stand by it and you own it, whether it was a good one or a not so good one. But if we try to use the honor your parents verse as a means to make our kids do what we want them to do, please understand that's not parenting, that's manipulation. 
Instead, parenting is us using the unique position that we have. And we use this unique position and we leverage that to teach our kids and train them for success in life and train them for success in walking with God. Here's the third one. And that is that honor comes through giving, not getting. It comes through giving, not getting. Here's what I mean by that. I had a friend that used to lead tours to Israel all the time. And um, one of the things that he would do is he would stop by this particular city that had been built. Um, And they had literally built the city in the middle of the desert. And it's an amazing story. But he would take groups there and raise awareness about the city. And then people were stopping by there. Well, they did a banquet um, here in, in North Miami, this city. And um, they, 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 they called me because they wanted me to come and speak at it because my friend was, was being honored. And, and, and that was the thing. And this is the, they said this, we are honoring your friend at this event and we'd like you to come and, be, and, and participate. And that's part of, when we think about that, that that's really what it is when we think about we're going to honor this person. It's that someone has served and been selfless and given and then afterwards comes the honor. The honor doesn't come just with, well, you know, don't you know who I am? No, the honor comes... After there is something given or some sacrifice or some service. And that, I believe, is really the key if we're a parent who wants to be honored. That part of how we serve the Lord and part of our um, service to God is the responsibility that we're giving him in serving and helping to train our kids to be successful in life. And so when a child grows up and they realize that their parents have trained them, disciplined them and sacrificed for them, all so that they could walk with God and succeed in life. Listen, honor, uh, your kids honoring you will be the least of your problems. So the question is, so that's kind of the, we're going to lay the, that's the foundation, but what does it look like? What does honoring your parents look like? I really believe that honoring your parents has three facets that we're going to talk about. So I want to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually look at Four verses that are a commentary. It's the Apostle Paul writing and he reaches back into this fifth commandment of honoring your parents and pulls that out. And he says, now, this is really what honoring your parents is is all about. Now, here's what he says. This is in chapter six, verse one. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, if you're taking note, here's what I want you to know. Number one is that honor begins at infancy. It begins at infancy. If you want your kids to honor you and you want your kids to respect you, you've got to train them that that's the appropriate response. Now, the, the reason why I say that is because when he says children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The Greek word there for children is the word technon, which refers to that's T-E-K-N-O-N and it refers to children living under their parents roof. And that is and the idea is this is that that when your kids are living under your roof and living with you, that's when you have. Uh, the most influence in their life. When they grow up and they're out of the house and they start their own family, the relationship and the dynamics change. But when they're under your roof and under your care, it, that's the time to train them and to teach them because honor begins at infancy. In fact, that's the thing that's amazing to me about the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says this. It says, uh, this is in your notes, Proverbs 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to teach them under, uh, to, uh, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach them, to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Isn't that fascinating? Sometimes what we 
think about Proverbs and we think it's like this, it's these old sages that, that then share this wisdom. But the purpose, the recipient, the audience for the book of Proverbs is not the old, it's the young. We think, well, it's, it's adults who are, you know, no, 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 it's the young. It's, it's for the elementary and middle school and high school age and college student who are just starting in life. And it's Solomon, David's son, saying, here's everything that you need to know to be successful in life because this is how the world works. And if you can understand this and grab hold of this, and here's what we might think as we read through the stuff in, in Proverbs, is this, doesn't this seem like a little too heavy for kids? Doesn't this seem like a little too heavy for, um, for parents to share this with their kids? Can, I mean, can I just tell you this? That parents, I mean, that kids are learning stuff at an amazing rate, and sometimes we don't even realize that they're picking up on stuff that they actually are picking up on. Um, I'm, you know, what that means is this is that we can teach kids probably even more than we realize at, at a younger age and that they'll absorb it and take it in and, and be able to do something with it. Um, just before my daughter turned two, we began to teach her how to pray. And it was, you know, they're not like real lengthy prayers, but they're just simple prayers that we taught her to pray. And so we, we decided that we would uh, teach her to pray at mealtime. That was, that was the first one. Um, and so... We, uh, it was a simple prayer. It's just, dear God, thank you for this food. Thank you for our family. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple as that. Now, my daughter, because she has a flair for the dramatic, she never says, dear God. She goes, dearest God. And then she begins, you know, in her, her little thing. But every time, it's, dearest God, thank you, you know, and she goes into this whole thing. Well, then we taught her her bedtime prayer. Bedtime prayer is a little different, but it's pretty close. It goes, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for our family. In Jesus' name, Amen. And so the other night, we were putting her to bed, and so we asked her to pray. And so she goes, dearest God, thank you for this food. And then she stops, and she goes, oh, wait, that's not right. And then she opens one eye, and she goes, Bobby, can I start over? And I said, sure, I think God's cool with that. And uh, so she starts over, and then she does it. And Carrie and I walk out, and and here's the thing that that we said. We go, this is such an important moment, and, and I hope we don't miss it, that she understands she realizes that they just aren't words that she says. She realizes that she's talking to God and that the words actually matter. And when she, if she doesn't say it right or she says it, and it's, you know, just, we're going to sleep, but she's praying for food, she realizes that's not the, the right thing. Listen, and it's because from infancy she's being taught that. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, here's what it says. Such an important verse. It says this, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, Because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the key is this. If we want our kids to honor and respect us later, we've got to train them to do that. That that's the appropriate response to your parents, to respect people is the appropriate response to others. Because here's the thing. They do what they see modeled. And that's really the next point that we're going to look at in verse 2. He says this, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, if you pause there, here's the second point for your, for your notes. And that is that honor is modeled parentally. It's modeled parentally. It's, it doesn't just begin at infancy. It's modeled parentally. And that is this, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is a mom and a dad who love each other. I mean, that's uh, more than anything else. That is the greatest gift you can give your kids. The, every study shows that kids who come from parents who are together do better in every, you know, just about study, 
subject or in scenario. And that's why my daughter, my daughter, my, I think I told you this if you heard last week, my daughter's always writing songs. Uh, she's always singing and writing lyrics. And so that's one of the things we do is we, I play guitar and she'll, um, she'll write the words. But her, the first song she ever wrote, and she used to sing this song when she was really, really little. Um, but it, it, here are the words. It goes, Mia, Mommy, Poppy, Happy Family. That, that, was her, that was her first song. And the thing is this. Her favorite thing is when we're all together. That, that's just her favorite thing in the world. And that's why when I'm giving her, when I come home and I give Carrie a kiss, or I'm just at home um, and, and I'm not at the office, and I just come up to Carrie and I kiss her or I hug her, you know what she does? She runs like in between us, in between our legs, and she looks up and she goes, what are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, I'm giving mommy a kiss. And she's like, oh, up, up, me too. And so I'll pick her up, and then she'll give me a kiss, and she'll give my wife Carrie a kiss, and then we'll, my wife and I will kiss one, uh, she'll kiss one cheek, and I'll kiss the other cheek, and we'll give her like 30 or 40 kisses at our house. That's called the Besito Sandwich, um, which is like Mia's favorite thing. And, uh, and, and here's the thing, is that she sees affection, and she realizes like, oh, that, I want that too. And, and, the, and that's the thing, is that, um, you know, our kids, are, they're, they're watching. My kids are watching how I treat my wife. And they model it. Now, I had debated as to whether I was going to tell you this story. Um, I, I told them the first two services. They seem pretty cool with it. So if you're offended, I apologize. If you're not offended, just wait. You'll be offended by something else later. Um, but here's what happened. The other day, I, I, was, I was at home, and I was walking by. And um, I, I, just, I, I just I just walked by, and I smacked my wife on the butt. Because that's what men do. Uh, well, let me take that back. That's what husbands do for their wives. Okay, I go because we'll, if it's not, then we'll talk about that other thing and then a couple commandments from now. Um, so, but anyway, so I, I just smacked my wife on the butt and I didn't even say anything. I just kept walking and she didn't even say anything to me, which is, I think, even funnier. Um, but I, so I did that and then I kept walking. What I didn't realize is that my daughter was behind me. And so after I smacked my wife on the butt, she turned and smacked her mom on the butt. And, and she starts laughing and she goes, Mommy, I smacked your butt just like Bobby does. And I thought, uh, come with me, Mia. Many more life lessons to learn today. You know, I, mean, I don't even know. What do you say to that? Um, but it's the thing that I learned, you know, is that our kids, they're just, they're modeling it. For, they're, they are, they're just doing the things that they see. And that's why, here's what happens. If, if as parents we treat each other with respect and honor, here's what will happen. Is that our kids will treat us with respect and honor because they think that that's, and, and they will realize that that's, how things are supposed to work. Here's, uh, we read 2 Timothy 3. I want to take you back to the beginning of that book in uh, 2 Timothy 1. It's in your notes. It says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I want you to think about that. That he says, Paul, the apostle, writes this letter to Timothy, who's a pastor, the church in Ephesus. And here's what he says. He says, you had a grandmother who was godly and trained her daughter to love God. And you know what happened? Now, your, your, your mom had a son, you, Timothy, and she trained you to walk with God. And now it's this incredible heritage that, that, that happens. And listen, if we want our kids to walk with God, here's what we have to do. We have to model it. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. You know, um, my, my daughter has this Bible, and she carries it around all the time. Um, and, you know, half the time, if she doesn't bring a doll with her to church, because she likes to invite friends, um, you know, she has influence over and bring them to, to church, um, she'll, she'll bring her Bible uh, with her. And, um, 
And, and here's the thing is that we got done, we were reading, um, and, and I try to do this almost every night, is, is read her a story out of her Bible. And so I read her the story of, um, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, and so we read that story, and afterwards, uh, like usually, once we get done, because my, like I said, my daughter has a flair for the dramatic, she'll go, Papi, that was a great story. You know, and it's like, just like that. It's like this, you know, that was a great story. And so she'll, she'll say something like that. And so then, uh, I, so we finished reading uh, the, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And she said, Papi, that was a great story. But wait. It's almost like she's like an infomercial. But wait, there's more. And so she takes the picture. Like as I'm closing the, her Bible, she says, look. And she shows me the picture of, you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And then she closes her Bible. And, it's the, and she says, look, it matches. And it's the same picture of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I thought, now that might not mean a lot to you, but to me, it was like the biggest deal in the world because it meant that she's handled this Bible so much that now she knows the picture on the inside that matches the one on the outside. And, and here's what that, what that means. The reason my daughter loves the Bible is that my wife and I have tried so hard to model that for her is she sees us reading the Bible um, at, at, at home. And here's the thing that's important is that the, the, the word for honor um, is, is the, the Hebrew word kabod, uh, C-H-A-B-O-D, for those who like, uh, you know, writing Hebrew. And, uh, but that, that's the, um, and it's also when the Bible talks about the glory of God, same word, kabod. And the, and the word refers to weight. And so honoring your parents um, really refers to get, ascribing a certain amount of weight to them as people, ascribing a certain amount of weight to their words, to their actions, to their presence. And so when I think about our kids honoring us, I always think about this. How much weight do I want them to ascribe to the words that I say to them? Well, I hope a lot that here's what they need to be. They need to be words that are wise. And that, that's, that's the thing. And that's my counsel um, to, to all of us is, is, listen, as parents, to be wise, to follow Jesus so closely so that when, when we speak, the words have so much weight that our kids can't dismiss them. That's why... Honoring your parents, as we read in Ephesians 6, is the first commandment with a promise. Because when a child has wise parents, it brings life into their lives that they could never get anywhere else. Let me give you the last one here in verse 4. He says this. He says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now here's the third one. It's that honor is training for life. It's training your kids for life and how to be successful uh, in life. You see, what makes a child honor his parents later in life is when he's prepared, he's been prepared for real life and then is thinking somewhere and he says this, and he says, where in the world would I be without the instruction of my parents? And that's why there's almost like these two roads that parents can take. And he says this, he says, dads, don't provoke your kids to wrath. That's one road we can take. But instead, train them. In the admonition of the Lord. He says, instruct them, bring them up, raise them in the admonition of the Lord. So we have the opportunity. Are we going to provoke them or are we going to educate them? And that becomes now the option that we have. Now, um, just I'm going to do this uh, real quick, but I, I want to just share this with you. There's four types of parents that provoke their kids. And um, here's, here's what they are. Let me give you these quickly. Number one, if you're taking note. Number one is the invisible parent. The invisible parent just simply provokes their kid by their kids by not being around. And um, and what happens is, is that they simply figure out how to do life without that parent there. 
And that doesn't mean that like the parent is out of the house. It just might mean that the parent is too busy for them and doesn't really give them very much attention. Because, guys, the thing that we can't do, we have to like get over the myth of what the quote-unquote quality time. Like quality time is not like real. Because here's, here's what happens. Every study that's done with kids that's asked, would you rather have quality time with your parents or quantity time with parents? You know what the overwhelming majority, like over 95% say? We'd rather have quantity time with our parents. Because the truth of the matter is, is that you can't have quality time with your kids unless you have quality time. Until you, have quanti- you can't have quality time unless you have quantity time. If you have a teenager... And you say, you know, wake up like, hey, how you doing this morning? Yeah. Right? And then they're like, hey, so what, would you like some breakfast? And, nah, I don't care. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, hey, w- w- you know, what would you learn at school this week? Oh, nothing. Okay, well, I'm really glad we had that delightful conversation. Have a nice day. No, but instead, you know what happens is you go out and you say, hey, I'm, I need to run this errand. You want to come with me? Oh, I don't care. All right, well, just, just, you know, come with me. And you know what happens? You're out for an hour. And then like those last ten minutes... You have like this really important conversation with them. And then you think, um, like, well, see, that, that's, that's, we had that 10 minutes of quality time. No, you didn't. You didn't have 10 minutes. You would never have gotten those 10 minutes if you hadn't had the hour and a half. Because that's, the quantity time is what led to the quality. You see, you never get anything good out of your kids when you say, okay, honey, I just want you to know, for these next 12 minutes, it's just you and me. Open up your heart. I'm listening. Sorry, sweetie, I gotta go. You know that just that doesn't work. It's the it's the quantity that leads to the quality. Here's the second one: not the invisible parent, but number two is the indulgent parent. Here's what the indulgent parent does: the indulgent parent is constantly um, giving into their giving into their kids and just in, indulging them uh, so they don't have to deal with their bad behavior. Uh, you've seen this happen. You go to Target. Um, or uh, and, and, and here's what will happen. You'll see a kid going absolutely ballistic in Target. And then, because he wants a toy. And then the mom or dad or whoever's there will just say, okay, fine, just take it, but stop crying. And they give him the, they buy him the toy just to make him stop crying. Now, those of us that are in the store are happy that that happened because that makes our, that makes our shopping experience better. But here's the thing. That's a bad move for the parent. Because here's what they did. They just taught that child a new skill. And that skill is every time I want something and my parents don't give it to me, all I have to do is go absolutely crazy. And then I'll be able to get what I want. When here's, here's the thing that, that happens is that the better thing would be for the parent to say, listen, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. And now with your, this, this uh, little temper tantrum, it's doubly not going to happen. And... Um, because here's the thing, and listen, I love my, my kids, but even my kids, they will sometimes have meltdowns because that's what kids do. And, um, and one of the things that we say, my wife says this and I say this, uh, I, I tell, and I say it more than anything because I think it's hilarious, um, but, I, uh, but it's true. But I'll tell her this, you can feel free to use it if you want, but I'll, I'll tell, I don't even know if my daughter totally understands this, but she knows the point of it. I'll tell her this, I say, I say Mia, th- in this house we operate much like the U.S. military. I say, we do not negotiate with terrorists or toddlers. It's just the way it works. We do not negotiate. And that's just, that's just the way it is. And here's the thing. Now, here's what you do. Now, I understand just saying, oh, fine, just do it, because it's the easy thing to do, just to get them to stop going crazy. The problem is when we do that, um, we allow our kids to manipulate us. And that's not a trait that we want to teach them. 
Instead, what we want to teach them is, is that going crazy and having a meltdown and a temper tantrum is not the way to get what you want. You know why? Because in the rest of their life, that's not the way it's going to work. If they, they go to work for a company and they don't get the office they want, if they're going to kick and scream and pull their hair and, you know, rip their shirt or whatever and just start going berserk. And then their boss is going to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was so important to you. Here, here's your new office and here's a little Elmo toy. It'll make you feel better. You know, why? they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're going to say, this person has some kind of mental imbalance. Get them out of here. You know? And here's what, it wasn't the mental imbalance. It was that the, their parents provoked them to wrath by never giving them the discipline that they needed and simply instructing them. Here's the third one. The third one is the inconsistent parent. This is the do as I say, not as I do parent. And here's why this frustrates uh, kids to no end. And that is because kids do what's modeled for them. And that's why a lot of times behavioral problems with kids is that kids do what they see. And then they get reprimanded for not doing the thing that was asked of them. But they're simply just doing the thing that, that, that they see done. I'm telling you, the, our kids, they are watching. My daughter, I'm telling you, and my son too, they're watching me. They're watching my wife. And they are going to do exactly what we do. Um, the, I would, when I change my son's diaper, my daughter almost always comes in with me. And uh, I don't know if she's like supervising or something. Or maybe that's Carrie saying like, Mia, go in there and make sure nothing bad happens. You know, like stuff doesn't go flying. Well, anyway, she, I go in there and I change it. And my daughter's usually talking to my son, Xander. And um, as, we're, as we're there... Sometimes if he, if he goes a lot, I'll say to her, I'm like, Mia, monster poop. And so she'll laugh. By the way, uh, if you're, those of you that are checking, that's twice that I, uh, there's a story about poop um, in, in this message. Um, and so anyway, so I'll tell her that. And, and my sister, uh, my sister, my, my daughter, because she's very like, you know, she has a flair for the dramatic. She'll go, monster poop. I mean, that's just like what she does. You know, she does that. And so and then she'll go, mommy, mom, Xander did monster I mean, that's like pretty much how it goes in our house. Well, anyway, so then I'll change it and then whatever. And, um, and so, well, the other day, uh, I guess it was about a week or so ago, we took my, um, our whole family, we went to uh, Jackson's Ice Cream. How many of you have been to Jackson's Ice Cream in Dania? Yeah, it's like one of the best places on planet Earth. Um, it's, it's amazing. I, I, don't even, I don't know why more weddings aren't done at Jackson's. It's like the best place ever. Anyway, so if you haven't gone there... Go. And if you do go, let me know because I need you to pick something up for me. Uh, anyway, um, so we take my, uh, we take the kids to Jackson's and my daughter, um, and so she, we all have lunch and then we order some ice cream and then, um, we get there and, and so, but she doesn't eat all of it. So I say, hey, can I have a cup so that we can take it to go? And so we get the cup and then I'm taking this, so she gets this like chocolate ice cream sundae, whatever. And so I'm, I'm taking it and I'm putting it in from the glass into the, the cup, and it's at that moment that my daughter decides to scream at the top of her lungs. She goes, "Poppy, it looks just like monster poop!" And everyone in that restaurant turns and looks at us, and I'm like, "Yeah, she's she's with me. We're going places." And uh, and it's like at that moment, and I'm telling you, it's like. You know, we can get frustrated or whatever and think like, no, no, I just want them to do what, what, what I tell them. No, they're doing what is modeled. That's what they do. And that's why inconsistency is so frustrating to kids and provokes them to wrath is because their desire is to do what they see modeled for them that's supported by what's said. And if, there's, if those two things aren't the same, 
It just creates frustration. Well, here's the fourth one. I'll do this one real quick. And that is the insensitive parent. This is the parent that feels like they can be rude to their kids because they're the parent and the kids are the kids. And then somehow they think if they can say things like, oh, you know, this kid, he's just dumb. He's stupid. He's uh, he's not talented. Uh, he's not very good at this. He's never going to amount to much. Oh, you know, you're not really good for anything. And that that's okay, but that, that somehow, here's what that's doing, that is toughening the kid up. Let me tell you what that's not doing, is toughening the kid up. All you're doing is you're training that child that if someone says that to them, that that's somehow acceptable. That's totally unacceptable. For someone, uh, for, for a parent to say that to a child, and at the same time, for then them to think later on, because their parents were always telling them that, that when someone says that and disrespects them, that that's somehow okay. That's not okay. You know what's what's much healthier is for a parent to help a child discover what their strengths and gifts and talents are and then celebrate that. And we celebrate that and and then treat them with respect. And if they're not good at it, say, you know what, that's not what you're gifted in. You're gifted in this. And so pursue this. And you know what will happen is, is that then if someone comes along and says to them all of these other things and, and, and tries to disrespect them, they will not see that as normal. And said they will see that as unacceptable because they grew up in a home where even as a child they were treated with respect. And I'm not saying that you can't discipline kids. You've got to discipline kids. But there's a difference between disciplining a child and demeaning a child. And that, I think, is the thing that's, that's, so, that's so important. So you say this. All right. So you told me the negative stuff. Don't do this to provoke a child. So what do we do? Here's the last one. This is our goal. The very bottom of your outline is the instructive parent. The parent that instructs their child and teaches them how to walk with God. The Bible says this, to train up a child in the way that he should go. That there's a way to go, there's a path to take, there's a way to live, to walk with God and be successful in life. And that's the way I want you to take it. And here's what it says, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's the thing that's so important, the thing we have to understand, is that we've got one shot. If you've got little kids, like I have little kids, um, we've got one opportunity to, to train them in the way that they should go. Because once they leave the house, we're never going to have the same kind of impact that we had when they, were, when they were at home. And so our goal should be to train these kids so that they, if we made mistakes, so that they don't have to, make, we, they don't have to say, make the same mistakes that we made. And here's where that begins. That begins in our relationship with God. It begins in our relationship with God. I became a Christian at 19 years old. My daughter was being taught to pray to Jesus at 19 months old. And see, that, that, that correlation wasn't lost on me. That I thought, you know, my, my parents weren't Christians, and uh, they, they, they become Christians later in life. And um, so I didn't become a Christian until I was 19 years old. And, and yet my daughter is growing up, my son is growing up in a home where, um, where their parents are together, where their parents love God and are teaching them how to walk with God. And see, this is the thing that's important. And here's what I know. That's the thing that you want for your kids as much as it's what I want for my kids. But we cannot give to our kids something that we do not possess ourselves. I can't do it. You can't do it. None of us can do it. And that's why if we want our kids to walk with God, here's what we have to do. We have to walk with God. And that's why it's so important. Listen, the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your kids is the gift of you walking with God, of you knowing Jesus, of you being forgiven by him because of what he did on the cross. And then, you know what? You're able to take that relationship and pass it on to them and help them to walk with God, to invite Jesus into their life and walk with him, even at a much younger age than perhaps you came to know him at. And that's the thing that's so important. And if you're here this morning and you say, man, I, but I know a bunch of stuff about God. Listen, that's not, that's not it. 
It's not knowing stuff about God. It's about knowing God. It's about being forgiven by God. It's about by walking with Him and allowing Him to transform and change your life. And if, and if you're here this morning and you say, well, that's not what I have, but I want my kids to have that, then we ourselves, and maybe today is the day that you invite God into your life. And here's all it, all it takes. Uh, just a pr- simple prayer prayed in sincerity that says, God, I open my heart and I invite you in. I ask that you forgive me of all I've done wrong because I thank you for Jesus who died for me that I might have life. It's a simple prayer like that. And you know what will happen? A prayer like that prayed in sincerity, God will respond, God will act, and God will begin to move and work in your life like you've never seen before. And you know what will take place? You'll be able to take that relationship and be able to invite your kids into that relationship with God as well. Friends, it's the greatest gift that we can give to our kids, and I pray that you'd take that invitation for ourselves first. Let's pray. And God, we want to thank you for... We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. And we pray and ask that you, we pray that we would honor you first, Lord, and then that we would honor our parents and that the kids that we have would honor us, that we would be honorable in our dealings and our actions and our words. God, help us to walk with you, that we might help our kids to walk with you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.